0: Hello, this is Jim Barton, and I'm here with...
1: Reverend Abigail Conley.
0: And welcome to another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Ordinary, sir. Um, thank you. I'm just getting my second Bloody Mary, and we're uh, going to talk today about um, one of the issues that we see more than one side in the Bible, and that issue is violence. And we're going to go ahead and try and grab it all. We're going to talk about personal violence as well as uh, state-sponsored violence. So first, Abby and I are going to try and name some things... In the Bible, that are against violence. So, um, I had on my list um, "turn the other cheek," right, where Jesus, in the context of personal violence, explicitly prohibits striking someone back if they hit you. Abby.
1: Later, when um, Jesus is arrested in the garden and Peter takes a sword and chops off a guy's ears, Jesus says, "No, put away your sword. That's not what we do."
0: And in fact, Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, even says that not only should you not um, kill someone you can't be angry at someone Mm -hmm. so those are lots of examples when jesus was against violence in isaiah
1: part of the vision of the kingdom that christians have particularly interpreted around jesus and the coming of the messiah is that when this happens swords will be beat into plowshares and goes on to say that neither shall they learn war anymore, and that is probably King James translation. Uh-huh. That the idea that you even, you're not even going to keep weapons around. You're not even going to remember how to do this, right?
0: And so, as a, as the, that's the, that's the goal we're shooting mm-hmm. for. We also see it in um, the idea of violence in um, or against violence, with the, um, with when you're talking about the flood stories and the Cain and Abel story, the idea that. God made everything. There's something sacred about humans and about life, and you can't and you you won't spill human blood. And that's um, a really core concept that I do think sort of goes all the way through, that sort of continues throughout the um, Old Testament. Um, We also should point out that Jeremiah, in the context now of state violence, Jeremiah doesn't call for uh, military overthrow while they're in exile, right? Jeremiah says. You screwed it up, you broke the covenant, God's not with you right now, or God is with you, but God's letting you go into exile. Right. Okay, well, that's all great stuff. Seems like maybe we could use the Bible to say be a pacifist or um, be a nonviolent person.
1: And I think it's worth noting that within the Christian tradition, this is a significant thread to um, tend toward nonviolence, toward justice. Um, the Quakers have particularly done this with. With great passion, with great commitment, mm-hmm. um, churches of the brethren—a lot of things out of that particular era of Christianity—the Anabaptist traditions that we are a part of uh-huh. actually have um, named this as a core value for them and their churches.
0: And the disciples have a peace in turn that we send around, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we care about peace, yeah, in a real way. Yeah. All right. What about the um, violent parts of the Bible?
1: So part of the reality is that the Book of Judges constitutes one of the most violent pieces of literature that exists anywhere. It's kind of a bloodbath from beginning to end.
0: The, um, one of the favorite stories of progressives is the story of Deborah, because it's a woman who's a judge and who's a boss. Um, that story involves killing a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. in war, so that's a bummer for our, like, don't shed blood right
1: and part of why liberals love that story is because when the general of the army comes to deborah um and asks for her help she says okay but the general of the other army is going to be given into the hands of a woman and he's like cool i'm cool with that so then you get the follow-up story where sisera does run away from the battle as he realizes he's being defeated and he ends up in the tent of someone who he thinks is a friend of his nation and she runs a tent peg through his head while he's sleeping. Right.
0: After she gives him milk, so he'll go to sleep. Right. So he's lying down. Right. Puts a tent peg in his temple. Mm-hmm. So gruesome, upfront, brutal violence, right? And then the story ends with this passage of the Israelites' author fantasizing about what it would look like for Sisera's mother mm-hmm. waiting for him to come home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and how. And basically, it's just like really sort of sick story about... Wouldn't it be wouldn't it, like like fantasizing about how she's going to be looking for him to come, but he's never going to come because right. he's dead? Right. So that's a brutal story,
1: mm-hmm. and frankly, and from one of the good judges,
0: and from one of the good judges, that's exactly like, right. like there
1: are bad judges and bad kings. This is one of the good ones.
0: That's right. Um, the one fella promises that he'll sacrifice the first person he sees mm-hmm. if he wins the battle. He wins the battle. He kills his daughter. Yep. Um, we've got. We've got. Well, I mean in general you have you have all of the you have all of the uh, Canaanite conquering Canaan stories we are murdering everyone right. women and children right there's a time when Moses has to go punish someone because he doesn't murder all of the children
1: yeah I mean and Samson's story ends after you know all of these battles and all of the death with that with him just killing everyone by pushing out the pillars and destroying people
0: I'm and so, <coughs> I, actually and I suppose we should also mention the Exodus story which is one of these friendly stories that we tell a lot to our kids mm-hmm. but one of the children from our church is pointing out that hey Pharaoh's son dies yeah. that doesn't seem fair what about all these guys in the chariot that God like lets the water come down and kills them all Yeah, that doesn't sound like a loving God yeah. so lots of violence tons of violence mm-hmm. in the New Testament we see less violence
1: right um, considerably less violence, but part of that reality is it is not the story of a nation. It's the mm-hmm. story of a people called out, and Christian understanding of themselves as a people has been apart from a racial identity or an ethnic identity, which is very, very different. And while there have been plenty of countries who have declared themselves Christian countries, it has never been the understanding of self as a nation in the same way. Right. So that is... And Jesus
0: and Jesus does tell his disciples on one of the trips to bring a sword with him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then we have to talk about what do we do with the Book of Revelation?
1: Yeah,
0: because although I mean they're mostly out of power, so not only they're not a nation, they're they're a, a powerless minority. Um, so then you have this Book of Revelation, which is God doing the violence, right? And you you point out what we we're talking before that's an important difference. Mm-hmm. If God's doing the violence.
1: And I think for Christian interpretation, that's especially important. Um, I don't know always what to do with those Old Testament stories where you have all these tribal wars happening, Mm -hmm. and that's just kind of presumably the way they existed, that there were always some warring tribes. Um, In the New Testament, and for us as Christians, I think it is a very different thing to hand someone a sword and say, go do this, versus... Asking God to do that. Right. And I don't know, I don't think that still puts people in a good place if you're just praying to God to do violence to your enemies right. for the entire time. Right. But it's also still very different to say, God, I trust your judgment and this is what I want. But also to be there to say, to realize God can say no.
0: Yeah. That's right. So I think, um, I mean, I think we've made a pretty good case that this is where there's really conflicting messages in the Bible. And I don't know how you can possibly get a coherent message out of this. And and unlike some things, it's not like there's a few scriptures here and a few scriptures there. The topic of violence is referred to all the time. It's marbled throughout the whole scripture, mm-hmm. but the messages are really, really mixed. Mm-hmm. Um, we did want to identify um, some differences between our state now, our condition of humans now, as opposed to... When the scripture was written.
1: So, yeah, one of the things that all of scripture assumes is that if you're going to kill someone, it is an intimate act. You are killing them with your hands, with a weapon that means you have to be within distance to reach them. Um, I think for us, when we talk about violence, it is a very different thing to say if you can walk up to someone, look them in the eye and kill them. That's a different kind of violence than I can kill you from a great distance and you never know it. I can plant a bomb and kill all these people.
0: Um, It just means that we live in a different, it's a different society. And so what we would call, what feels to us like that, I mean, what feels like when we read, you know, you know, things like uh, a hero story where they're going out and doing violence, like you said, it's just a different thing when you have an automatic weapon. Right. And that's in the context of a person, an individual. Mm-hmm. In the context of nations, we can literally destroy all life. Yep. We could. We literally have the capacity. And so it seems like when we're reading the scripture, we have to be mindful that we live in a different context. Whether we're talking about the difference of using a sword or whether we're talking about the difference of using, you know, instead of chariots, global thermonuclear weapons.
1: And here's the thing that I think is good liberals we are very aware of is that... Um, we continue to live empowered with the Holy Spirit, and so the reinterpretation and renegotiation of what we do is a very real part of our faith. Um, it's a very real part of what we do as a church, and um, Psalm 137, I think, is a great example of that. So if you've read Psalm 137, it's very clearly written in exile. Exile By the rivers of Babylon, um, there we sat down, and there we wept, for we remembered Zion. Um and so, there's five or six verses of lament over being removed, and then it ends... And those
0: are in the songs.
1: Right, That's those in are Godspell. in the songs. That's in Godspell. Spell, right. That's, you know, great things. But it doesn't include the last two verses, which is, may your enemies... Um, mm-hmm.
0: Bash the heads, heads, the heads uh, of the, uh, of the uh, babies, piece. of their children, against, against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: May someone do that to them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, what comes out of that, though. It's not just, okay, we've chosen to only read these verses. It's also that that is a very real part of Christian and Jewish tradition. And rabbis have actually written and argued, we don't use that psalm in worship anymore. We don't use that psalm because it is tied to this very particular event. We actually know this is exile. It's not a guess or anything. This is exile. It
0: is exile. And we're not in exile now.
1: Right. And the imprecation at the end to what happens... That is out of the pain of exile, and so this isn't part of the prayer life of God's people.
0: And I think that may be a better way to characterize it than a trend. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I've seen a piece together, there's a trend away from violence. You know, um, if you think about retribution, eye for an eye means only proportional response, right? Right. And then you have turn the other cheek, which is now nonviolent, And you could sort of say, well, there's a trend away from violence. I think you might be able to say that, but again, I don't know. They seem to be pretty happy with the violence in Revelation. I mean, the book sort of stayed around for a while, right? I think the idea of context, and that really, more importantly, we are permitted to look at Scripture in context, and we're not an oppressed people in exile now, and that should inform how comfortable we are with violence, right? So, all right. Well, um, I think that's a, a good review. I think I don't think anyone can question whether the Bible conflicts itself. The voices in the Bible are conflicted on this topic. Right. All right. Well, I think that will do it for now. Um, This is another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch, and until next time, cheers.